dusting off the cobwebs of our podcasting equipment, Aaron. We're back the Palace of Pistons podcast episode. Not sure. It's been a long time. Having an impromptu podcast to discuss the Detroit Pistons' new head coach. That's Dwayne Casey. And in case you forgot from, I think, two centuries ago when we did podcast, I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and with me, as always, is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you feeling? Dwayne Casey, Coach of the Year. Well, I mean, they finally hired a coach. Detroit finally has a head coach just, oh, a mere, what, 10 days before the NBA draft? Still don't have a general manager, um, but... You know what? It, that general manager only needs a few days. It's not like Detroit has a first-round pick or anything. That's true. They only have a second-round pick. They sent that nasty first-round pick. Yuck. Bad, bad first-rounder. Sent him to the Clippers for $200 million or whatever Blake Griffin's making. So, yeah, uh, you got one piece of the puzzle down. And Ed Stefanski is basically doing all the work of GM without being named the GM. So, um, hopefully the GM is down the pipe soon. It's very similar to the Cavs last year, who unfortunately had a coach, but got rid of David Griffin and were really flying solo. Remember, they were interviewing Chauncey Billups, and you know I think anybody who had a pulse. So pretty, it's pretty similar. It's two dysfunctional franchises. We just happen to have a first-round pick this time around. So we'll get right into it, though. Uh, we'll talk about Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey, the new head coach of the Detroit Pistons, he replaces... Stan Van Gundy, uh, he reportedly has a five-year deal with around $7 million per year. Puts him at five years, 35 mil. It's quite a long time, um, particularly if you look at the window of contention that I think Detroit has. And for some reason, Tom Gores feels that they're in a window of contention. I, I don't personally think so, but if, uh, five years is a long time. Dwayne Casey's not a bridge coach to somebody else. He is the coach to hopefully lead the Pistons back into some relevancy. So, uh, Aaron, I'll let you talk first about Dwayne Casey. This has been a pretty popular topic of discussion, particularly in our group chat. Um, what do What do you feel about Dwayne Casey as the head coach? I think the, the label to put on this hiring by the Detroit Pistons is that it was the safe pick. Um, by no means is Casey a risk of a hire. Uh, looking at his history, looking at his track record, his ball clubs, they win games. You know, they make the playoffs. Um, they do stuff like that. And that's great. Um, but I just, I myself was not um, all in on Casey. I was really hoping Detroit would. Uh, hired the San Antonio Spurs assistant coach, I'm Udoka. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but I was really hoping that Detroit would, would give him that chance. Um, he's considered to be a rising star among, um, you know, coaches in waiting. And I was really hoping that Detroit would, would give him his opportunity um, to be a head coach in the NBA. Um, but like I said, you know, Casey is a, is a good coach. He's... Uh, you know, he took Toronto to the to the, to the playoffs this year as the first seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, but I do have some, some worries about him. Uh, I think we've kind of – we just kind of know what he is, and I don't think he's a good enough coach that unless he has an absolutely great roster, which Detroit currently does not have, at least in my opinion, maybe Tom Gores thinks otherwise, um, Detroit doesn't have a great roster, and 
Dwayne Casey isn't a good enough to- isn't a good enough coach to take a non-great roster uh, extremely far. That's really the key, though, is this roster. And I believe in the Woj article that talked about the hiring of Dwayne Casey, they had talked a little bit, or he had, he had referenced a little bit about um, the roster turnover. And I believe Blake Griffin was talked about as the centerpiece of the team, which is probably true, but you can't go too far away from Blake Griffin without talking about Andre Drummond. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a very great team. It's not a very deep team unlike the Raptors team that he he left. Um, you know, the first couple of years in Toronto, he, he, he had his work cut out for them. Uh, he won 23 games his first year. He won 34 games his second year. And that's some pretty darn good growth. And then went all the way up to 48 games in his third year as head coach of the Raptors. So there's certainly, there's, there's certainly some, some room for proof here with the Pistons than the Raptors roster that he inherited back in 2011. It's a good hire. Um, I think it's it's definitely a safe hire. We sort of talked about it um, before when we were testing. It's just it's just too safe, I think. I, I, you know, the Pistons need need to be a little bit more bold. They they boldly went after Blake Griffin, and now they have a a, a monster backcourt front court damn it you got get it, you rid got of that <laughs> <laughs> blake griffin and andre drummond i mean you don't see a big power forward in a big center unless you are in new orleans so they went bold with that and i thought it was interesting and then they kind of take you know they, they have the opportunity to get a bold coach and then they go and take a very conventional coach that's not to say it's a bad hire but uh, i think that they should have continued to be um kind of pushing the envelope there it doesn't it doesn't really ruffle my feathers at all it just kind of it's kind of a, a meh okay you know that'll be fine they'll probably win 44 games and you know we'll probably make the playoffs but i don't know what the ceiling is with Dwayne casey on this roster yeah i mean i don't want to i don't want to start putting a number on the wins that Pistons will will get next season. Will win. You know, I don't want to talk about that in in a you know putting a number on it kind of way, um, because I mean, if you remember the way they started the season off uh, last year, they were they had one of the best records in the league, and then Reggie Jackson went down, and well, that was the season, just like the yep. year before. Well, not like the year before that, um, but kind of in a sense of like they were playing well. And then injuries, you know, something with injuries kind of happens. Of course, Rudy Jackson comes back, and he's not healthy, and that kind of derails the Pistons season in the 2016-2017 season. Then the 2017-2018 season, you know, they start off the year really hot with Reggie Jackson, back as the starting point guard, and then he gets hurt, and their season goes down the tubes. Um, but I think this is a good, good, not great roster. There's definitely some holes. There's definitely some internal growth needed. Uh, from guys like Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard, even Andre Drummond. I know he's been pretty vocal about the work he's putting in on his game uh, this offseason, trying to add a mid-range shot, even a three-pointer. Please. We'll see. We'll see about that. I don't want to. Don't want to go too far with that because I'm not sure how legitimate a three-point shot is for him in one offseason. 
Uh, but I think the idea of adding a mid-range jumper to his arsenal would be huge for the Pistons. Um, you know, even Blake Griffin can make internal growth. You know, becoming a better three-point shooter, becoming a more pro- efficient uh, outside shooter, out- having a better outside game as his athleticism starts to decline um, and making use of what he can do still. But, again, that even with everything going right for the Pistons in that sense, you know, you get Stanley Johnson to figure out at least somewhat of a, a three-point shot. You get him to find consistency on offense. Luke Kennard continues to show the promise that he showed in his rookie season. Even with all that, this team just isn't going to be good enough to win a championship. Um, and... For that reason alone, I kind of wanted to see what a new kind of what a new coach could kind of do with this team. What were the limits that he could take them to? And I don't think Casey's limits with this team are very high. He's just kind of a good coach that again will win you games. But I don't think he's going to go off and make you know win any big upset series in the playoffs uh, because of his coaching ability, uh, which kind of makes the whole signing a, a moot point in the end. I was looking up Twain Casey's first year with the Toronto Raptors, the 2011-2012 season. You know who hired him? Who was it? Brian Colangelo. Oh, that's right. I'm just saying. That's right. Just saying. Oh, Detroit no. has an open spot. Can go ahead and bring in Brian Colangelo and all five of his friends, who he definitely doesn't know. You know. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares yep. now. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have nightmares now. Uh, that sounds like see that's the unconventionalness that that the Pistons should just fully go into. I'm just kidding. You probably should not hire Brian Colangelo or Eric Jr. or whatever other burner accounts he has locked away on his phone. Or I'm sorry, his wife's phone. Allegedly, before she factory reset it. Um, yeah, those Dwayne Casey, you know, those early teams, they they were not very good with the Pistons. But you can't not look at the growth that those teams made so, 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 so quickly. And yes, they did have DeMar DeRozan, very young DeMar DeRozan to kind of lead the way. And, you know, they end up getting Kyle Lowry to make all these really good moves that certainly have a huge impact. Um, I, I, I wish the Pistons had a first round draft pick. Cause I think that would be interesting to see Casey's choice, you know, what he wants on this roster. Cause he would most certainly have some sort of, influence on who he wants but um i would like to see what what he thinks of the roster uh it's odd that espn didn't include andre drummond as a centerpiece of this team do you think it's even a possibility that they get rid of andre drummond and move him for a guard perhaps which Dwayne casey's much more used to working with you know a a really good backcourt as opposed to having two bigs you know, there's been some talk about that on Pistons Twitter this offseason. And um, I think a name that's been floated around by a couple people, including myself, if the Pistons were to try to trade Andre Drummond, is Trailblazers guard C.J. McCollum. Um, just because they kind of are at a similar level in their game, uh, you know, talent-wise, uh, that's a pretty fair trade in a sense of, of one, you know, good player for another good player. Um, neither are superstars, but are both, you know, um, you know, better than the their average at, at the at their respective positions. Um, 
but other than that, I, I I'm not really sure what other guards um, could could maybe find their way in Detroit. I know another name that was brought up during the playoffs was was John Wall. Uh, I don't see that having a, a chance of happening. Um, I forget who had mentioned that, but I don't think there's a chance it happens. Um, if Lillard and Drummond pick and roll would be just filth. That would that would be great. <laughs> that would be filth. I would. That would be a lot of fun. I like Portland, uh, and I think I like I Portland too. a lot more if if I got to see that. Um, but I don't know how I feel about trading Drummond unless you're, you know, unless you're gonna pull all the strings and 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 put to you know do your best to put together a championship roster. Um, which would make a, take a lot more moves. And when you do all that and you have all these new guys coming into your system when you just added Blake Griffin and you have a new head coach who's going to bring in his new system that none of right. the players know, I just think you're adding way too much new stuff, um, which would just be really hard to see any good results within the first season. Um, unless they're just too talented to, to lose games, but I don't see how Detroit could ever get that lucky to where they're just too talented to, to lose. So, um, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't put any stock in the Pistons trading Andre Drummond this offseason. I think I think Tom Gores is, is really committed to Andre. Uh, I think Andre likes being here. And from seeing the improvements that Drummond uh, and put into his game last offseason and knowing that he's out there working this offseason, I'm confident that we're going to see an even better version of Andre Drummond next year, and I, I want to see how that looks uh, in Detroit. Didn't we have this conversation last year, too, seeing seeing the growth or the lack thereof? Maybe being around a guy like Blake Griffin helps that a little bit, helps, helps that growth a little bit. I don't know. I, I really hope he does perform a lot better this year because the pressure's already mounting on this Pistons roster. I don't know how another year of missing the playoffs would go over, especially in a new stadium where it seems like interest is, you know, wavering, at, you know, at best. Um, but I think we can both agree that this is going to hinge on Reggie Jackson's health. The success of this is going to once again hinge on Reggie Jackson. Because if you look at a comparable team with two bigs that are your best players, that's the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, they they were so effective in the playoffs because Rajon Rondo was ridiculous and Drew Holiday was ridiculous. Holiday was ridiculous all season, but Rondo in the playoffs particularly. You know, you need you need good point guard play to take advantage, fully take advantage of those two guys. And if you're running out Ish Smith and Dwight Bucks, then it, it's not going to be to its maximum potential, and then you're going to be right back to square one. You know, should Reggie Jackson get hurt. Obviously, you hope he doesn't get hurt, but it's going to hinge on his health once again, and I just don't know how confident I am um, that he's going to stay healthy, especially in an isolation-heavy offense that Dwayne Casey runs with you know, a lot of his guards. It's what he did in Toronto. It's what he might try to instill here, but um, is, is do you feel any, any potential issues with schemes that are going to come to the Pistons? Because it's quite different from Stan Van Gundy. Um, I, I think that Reggie Jackson's injury history is, is definitely concerning. Although last the last two seasons, both of those injuries were 
really kind of freak injuries. Um, they weren't anything that was related to his history with knee tendonitis. Um, last year's injury was just him, you know, going down and, and going onto another person's ankle, falling down onto another person's ankle, um, which, you know, that doesn't relate to the injury history he's had in years past, which is why I don't know if my concern is as high as some others is. Um, but I still don't want that that heavy of an isolation offense. I don't want that much of a workload on Reggie Jackson. Um, that's why early early thoughts in my head are that, you know, Blake Griffin might take over some of the, the you know, play callings. Uh, not play calling, but, you know, running the plays, you know. and I, Dwayne the Casey playmaking. Had, correct. Dwayne Casey had um, mentioned that on a radio show with, with Stephen A. Smith earlier today. He was, he's already making, you know, media runs with uh, as the head coach of the Pistons. We said Blake Griffin yeah. could be in a uh, playmaking role. I think that's another reason why Luke Kennard um, will start because he can, you know, he can work with the ball a little bit. Um, and he's not, you know, he's not a great ball handler or a distributor or anything like that, but he's better than having Reggie Bullock at the two. Um, Bullock's kind of as good of a player as Bullock is you know, he's really good at what he does. It's the things that he doesn't have to his game that keep him from being, you know, a very good player. Bullock's a knockdown shooter, moves off the ball really well, competes on defense, does all those things at a high level, but he doesn't have a a really, he's never displayed a handle. He's never displayed a distributing ability. And Luke Kennard has both those things. So I think you could definitely see Luke Kennard uh, at the starting shooting guard spot next year. I think that's Probably the, a really high possibility um, now, and I think that means Stanley Johnson is going to come off the bench because uh, I think Reggie Bullock is too good to not start at the three. Um, but that's maybe getting a little bit too ahead of things. But trying to figure out how this offense is going to work, assuming that Dwayne Casey instills a lot of isolation stuff that he did in Toronto over here in Detroit and a lot of pressure being on a point guard or a ball handler, uh, that does kind of worry me with Reggie Jackson and why, you know, and how he's gotten injured. Will that affect uh, his knees and his legs this year or this upcoming season, excuse me? I don't know. I think it could, though, and that worries me. So I think Detroit's going to have to figure out a way, and I think Casey is going to have to figure out a way to switch up his offense a little bit so that it doesn't just become Reggie Jackson isolating, pick and roll every play, um, you know, him attacking the basket. It, it can't be like that, or there's a, there's a high chance that Reggie Jackson could get hurt. And as we've seen in years past, that is detrimental to Detroit's ability to win games. Yep, but it's entirely impossible to even gauge what an offense is going to look like before the offseason happens. I mean, offseasons in the NBA are the craziest, I think, out of every major sport. Um, the hot stove in baseball maybe comes the closest, but even then, basketball is far and away the most hectic. So I, we don't even know what this team would look like, but we know that the Pistons have pretty limited... Uh, financial flexibility, thanks to Langston Galloway. Um, I guess we'll start to start and to John wrap up Lure. a little bit, but I'm sorry. And John Luer. And John Luer. And Josh Smith. Yep, five million still going to Josh Smith. Yep, Josh those Smith. Numbers, those numbers, numbers are just ingrained in my mind. <laughs> Can't forget them. How can they not be? I think every bad contract is ingrained in the mind of a, you know, every sports fan. Like I still know what J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson are making, what George Hill is going to make next year. It makes me just want to cry into a lean cuisine. Um, 
So I think we'll wrap up a little bit, but before we go, I do want to talk about the, the coach that is on his way out, and that's Stan Van Gundy. You obviously follow the Pistons considerably closer than I do, but Stan Van Gundy leaving this franchise, what what do you think his legacy is as a, as you know the coach of the Pistons and team president and all these different roles he's had? You can't call it successful, but what do you think his legacy is um, as, as he's now left the Detroit Pistons? I think Stan Van Gundy had some great qualities. He was a great negotiator in making trades. You know, he's, he acquired Tobias Harris. Um, he acquired um, Marcus Morris and Reggie Bullock. And whether you like the trade or not, he acquired a very good player in Blake Griffin. Uh, whether you like the contract he has or not, that was a good trade for Detroit because of the abilities that Blake Griffin has right now. Maybe he won't have them in three or four years when he's still making $30 million. But right now, he's still a very good player. So that was another good trade that Stan Van Gundy made. Van Gundy was great. In the trading, in, in the trade game, but he struggled trusting young players. He made miscues in the draft, even though I don't think that he should be, yeah, you know, murdered for for what he did in the draft because a lot of other general managers did the same thing. Yeah. Um, but he did a terrible job in free agency. He overpaid role players, and he. He, he capped out Detroit as a mediocre team uh, and a team that wasn't able to make the playoffs, at least not fully healthy. So I don't think his his legacy in Detroit will ever be looked on in a bright manner. Um, probably shouldn't be looked at as a terrible legacy because he did do some good things. He did take, take them to the playoffs in one season, and he would have taken them to the playoffs last year had Reggie Jackson not been injured. But... He didn't win enough games, and that's ultimately why he's no longer the Pistons head coach. Do you think him having dual roles was a mistake? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, uh, yeah. I think that that era is pretty much over. I Oh, yeah. I, there's only a few guys that still have that role, and it's, it's you know, Greg Popovich. Um, Tom Thibodeau still has it, but I, I got to oh. think Minnesota's <laughs> trying to figure out a way to get out of that. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if there's one, maybe one more coach that has it. Um, but what Stan Van Gundy did in free agency, he did it with a coach's mind of like, I can use Langston Galloway here and there. I can use John Luer here and there. But as the GM, he got caught up overpaying to try to have coach players. But as a GM, you know, he just, he just paid them way too much, thinking that as a coach he was going to make it work. And... Um, those guys, those players just unfortunately aren't as good as the salary that they're making. So the guys who, and this is as of July 2017, I'm sorry, January 2017, so it's probably a slightly out of date, but probably not totally wrong. The coaches who have had dual roles, it was Mike Budenholzer. I believe the Hawks took that role away before he was uh, let go. Um, Doc Rivers with the Clippers. Obviously, Stan Van Gundy. You are right about Tom Thibodeau and Greg Popovich as well. And then Rick Carlisle and Jason Kidd both 
did not have the official role, but they were consulted on all uh, all sorts of those decisions. So um, that's that's got a list of guys who are at the at the top of the you know the food chain and Popovich, and I would probably put Rick Carlisle up there as well. And then you got guys who couldn't handle the dual role like Stan Van Gundy and Tom Thibodeau. But I think that era is definitely over. Um, the the coach and GM slash team president or, you know, all of those different roles that um, a coach has. I think looking at Stan Van Gundy and looking at some of those other coaches, I think it's necessary to have those two split, have two different minds operating on them and not one. But yeah, the Stan Van Gundy era can't be categorized as anything super positive. It's kind of treading water. It seems like it was just treading water. I mean, the Pistons did did make the playoffs, and what I'll still say gave the Cavs in 2016 the biggest run for their money aside from Golden State because those that was a very close series all the way around, and it looked like they were going to keep on moving up, and then a series of bad decisions and whatnot help them tailspin back down to the, you know, into the lottery. So very up and down, but I hope that Dwayne Casey has a much more successful tenure because I generally do like him a lot. He's very well respected around the NBA. Um, but I guess time will tell. Do you have any other thoughts on Dwayne Casey or uh, I guess it'd be a good idea. Why did you want, why did you not want Casey? Or I guess the better question is, why did you want the Spurs assistant? Gosh, his name again. I'm Yudoka. That's right. That's I'm I'm Yudoka. Yeah. So again, I like the kind of unknown of what Yudoka would do as a head coach. I think that's really intriguing to see. Uh, it would have been really intriguing to see what he would do. Um, just kind of, you know, what surprise does he have? He's held at such a high regard that I thought it would have been. You know, that's just another reason to th- feel like he's the guy with the with the regard he's held at as a, considered to be a rising star in this league as a coach. Um, because Detroit has kind of become pretty bland, um, they're not really an exciting roster to people outside of Detroit. Obviously, the city isn't a flashy city like Los Angeles. It would have been interesting just to kind of have that wild card of a coach you don't really know what he is yet but there's high high hopes for him that really intrigued me I was really hoping we were going to be able to see that and I know that uh whoever whoever whatever team is able to get Ayn and makes the decision to finally give that guy a job they're going to be impressed with what he can do because he has been under great tutelage in San Antonio he's been under championship teams with one of the greatest coaches of all time and you got to think that the the mindset, the the coaching abilities, are there for Imudoka to be a very successful coach, and uh, I still hope that he has success and is able to find a find a gig suit in the NBA because uh, he he definitely definitely had, if looking at him as a potential candidate for Detroit, I thought he would he thought he had great potential to be a special coach in this league. That's probably reason why Tom Gore's picked. Dwayne Casey because they wanted a head coach who had been in the league as a head coach before. Like the Pistons situation is not an easy situation, I think, for a, a young coach. Like when you compare it to other first-time head coaches and the gigs that they have, 
I mean, Phoenix is just a bunch of young players, and a lot of them are bad, but they're a very young, malleable team. And then you look at the Pistons, and it's guys with $100 million contracts or, you know, fairly large egos and it's it's a much it's a much difference and it's it's a much different situation and I don't think it lends itself well to a first year head coach or a first time head coach um, so that's maybe that's why I went with Dwayne Casey because it was the safer pick and it was an NBA mind that's ready to uh, ready to make an impact right now as opposed to looking towards the future like hmm. I, I don't know I, I, I I'm still on the fence about the situation in general, but I guess we'll have to find out. Do you have any other thoughts on Dwayne Casey or Stan Van Gundy or uh, or anything else? It might not be necessary to have an uh, an NBA draft podcast unless you unless there's a really good second rounder. Yeah, I yeah. mean, unfortunately, there's no first round pick for the Pistons, and I think I I have to take the blame for that. You see, my birthday actually falls on the night of the NBA draft, and really, for for whatever reason, I've I've not been given good luck, uh, I guess, and that's why the Pistons don't have a first round pick this year. So, my apologies goes out to all the Pistons fans. That this one's on me, um, but next year I don't think it's going to fall on the twenty first. Um, so hopefully we'll have that first round pick next year. If we could just have all Pistons fans listen to this podcast and. Uh, display your displeasure, Aaron. Uh, you know, on Twitter or whatnot, that would be fine. But make sure you listen to the podcast first, so that we crank those numbers up. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll do an NBA draft, something, something, something. You know, the Cavs have the eighth pick. There's lots of hope and things, Ooh. but yeah, we haven't had that in quite some time. So. Um, if there's not any other thoughts, then I think we're going to wrap this short podcast up. Hopefully we'll be doing this a little bit more often coming up here. It's a summer of wonder and mystery, and we have to we have to try and keep up with all of it. Once, once, uh, once July 1st comes around, all bets are off. Pretty much every team looks different. So, Anything else, Aaron? No, I think that... that pretty much wraps it up this was fun i hope that we get to do this on a more consistent basis and uh just kind of kind of see where things go from from june 21st uh beginning of july and just kind of see how things play out uh so this was good man i enjoyed it that's good um once again best of luck to Dwayne casey the new head coach of the detroit pistons he's got some work cut out for him but definitely a player's coach we didn't really mention that, but he's definitely a player's coach. I don't think Stampin Gundy was much of a player's coach really at all, but this is a guy that NBA players and coaches alike are very fond of, and um, it's a good spot that the Pistons are in with him, I think. I don't know if it's the best, but it's definitely a good spot. Um, so I guess with that, uh, we will wrap up. I am Mike Engelano, and for my guest, Aaron Johnson, uh, we will see you next time, Palace of Pistons Nation. <laughs>